And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. And the phone number remains, as always, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Gary and Eric return Sunday night, Monday morning. Always a pleasure to host Red Eye Radio. You can find out more about me on the Dan Manda Show Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, all three, at Dan Manda Show. You know, they say that character is not what you do when people are watching, but when you what you're doing when people are not watching. Now, Joe Biden tonight, President Biden in his speech, put forward his desire to support Israel in front of the nation and the world. But in the years leading up to the attack, when few were paying attention, he put in place the policies to actually fund that very attack. So when I talk about character and when I talk about, you know, the truth and and, and what people are really up to, like President Biden, character is not what you're doing when people are watching but what you do when people are not. And for Joe Biden, when people were not paying attention as closely as they are now, he was funding Iran. He was funding Hamas. He was putting policies in place to make Iran stronger. And that, in my opinion, led to the attack on Israel. And so it's with that in mind that the president uh, had a, a big speech tonight. I'm sure that you've uh, watched it or seen highlights, but he had a lot to say. This is a part of what he said. We're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. I mean, right there. I mean, that was the first 20 seconds. And Joe Biden talks about where decisions we make today will determine the future for decades to come. Okay, so when you were funding Iran, when you were funding Hamas, did you think about what that would ultimately do to our ally Israel? So it's like he's he's doing this speech, he's giving this speech, and he is demonizing Iran throughout the speech, yet his decision to embolden and enrich Iran 
through a weak foreign policy and ignored sanctions on Iran, allowing them to bring in billions funding this attack on Israel. And that's what he did. So it's like the speech tonight has contradicted everything he's done for the past three years. Let's talk about another decision of his to pull out of Afghanistan the way that he did. First announcing the date that we were leaving, then pulling that back, then pulling out of Afghanistan the way that we did led to the deaths of 13 Americans and, of course, led to all kinds of chaos in Afghanistan as well. And it is currently, as far as we can tell, a training ground for terrorists. But how about funding Hamas? I've been telling you about this all week. With $730 million going to that organization that has been called an arm of Hamas. And Biden did send a total of that $730 million to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. And they fund schools that teach anti-Semitism. They teach anti-Israel rhetoric. They shield weapons of Hamas and the fighters, the terrorists of Hamas. So Biden's entire speech was contradictory to the last three years of policy. And this wrong-headed policy ultimately led to, as we know, the uh, attack on Israel weekend before last. Here's more from Joe Biden earlier tonight. He was talking about uh, Vladimir Putin. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy, and brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine, people that were very badly hurt since Putin launched his all-out invasion. Mm-hmm. We've not forgotten the mass graves, the bodies found bearing signs of torture, rape used as a weapon by the Russians, and thousands and thousands of Ukrainian children forcibly taken into Russia, stolen from their parents. It's sick. Yep, yeah, so that is President Biden, and he spent about two minutes on Israel, and he, he spoke a lot about, you know, what happened in Israel, the tragedy in Israel and everything that happened, the, the horrific uh, mutilations of the Israelis. Then he did pivot to Ukraine. And as we've been discussing all week and, and certainly last night, what the president wants to do, he's got a hundred billion dollar package where he wants to give a nominal amount to Israel. But mostly it's for Ukraine in, in, in talking about what the president wants to do. Apparently this speech was actually written quite some time ago. And a lot of this is the same talking points, but given the circumstances in Israel, they ended up having to weave in Israel as well. And so that's exactly what the president is doing. He's got a $100 billion package, and most of it is going to go to Ukraine. But they're tying in Israel, and the uh, lawmakers, what they have to do is if they want to give, let's just say it's $10 billion to Israel, they also have to agree to 60 or $70 billion going to Ukraine. Now, the president knows that the American people are tired of this never-ending war in Ukraine. You know, there's some people that say that this thing could go on for another 10, 15, even 20 years in Ukraine. And so Biden knows that the American people and certainly the politicians that represent us, a lot of questions going on right now with Ukraine. And it's very questionable as to whether he could push through $60 billion in aid to Ukraine. So he ties in Israel. And hearing Biden talk about the brutality of Vladimir Putin, you know, no one is denying that Vladimir Putin is um, a brutal dictator. 
Everybody, everybody knows that, knows that. The issue is that we seem to be doing nothing about it in the sense that we're funding this war, but there is no end to this war. And, and as we've been talking about that, that is the problem. I mean, look, I don't want Vladimir Putin to win, clearly. But what's the policy? What is the end game? Because a blank check of unaccountable and never ending funding is not a foreign policy. Not to mention the fact that Ukraine remains corrupt. And when we simply keep sending money, but we don't really see any real progress or really much of an end game, the American people get cynical. And I do understand that the people who are pro continuing to send money to Ukraine, they've got their talking points. You know, Ukraine continues to do what they need to do to protect their territory. And, you know, the the um, the military of, of Vladimir Putin, it is slowly but surely being depleted. But we are inching ever closer to World War Three. But one thing he is also trying to do again, Joe Biden is trying to do is, yes, tie both of these events together. Because he's going to be trying to tie the aid packages uh, Ukraine and Israel in one bill, uh, not as standalones. So if you want to support Israel and you want to give them $10 billion, you've got to support 60 going to Ukraine. No debate and no accountability. Now, here's the thing, because Biden won't say this, but I will. Israel. Israel clearly has an end game. Israel wants peace. They want to live. They don't want to be attacked. And if Hamas and all these other nations left them alone, Israel would leave them alone. But Israel has a history of negotiating and willingness to work towards an end game. Ukraine, on the other hand, refuses to negotiate, refuses to do anything but fight on. And Vladimir Zelensky, Zelensky flies around the world uh, being a celebrity and, and demanding money. I mean, it's like that's what he that's what he specializes in. Here's another comment from Joe Biden. This tonight, this is uh, earlier this evening, and he's talking about wanting to fund Ukraine. You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. They keep going. And the cost and the threats to America and the world keep rising. Okay, so I would then ask President Biden, what price did Iran pay? Because he's talking about when terrorist organizations and terrorists don't pay a price. They keep doing what they're doing. And so he's obviously talking about either Vladimir Putin or Hamas. But I would ask President Biden, what about Iran? Iran hasn't paid a price. Trump had them paying a price. Trump had Iran against the wall and even took out some of their leaders. What did Donald Trump do? He killed uh, one of their leaders, uh, Kasim Soleimani. Trump placed and enforced sanctions on Iran that cost them billions of dollars. Trump was making them pay a price. Then Joe Biden comes along and he, he reversed all of that. And now we have an emboldened Iran that is now stronger than ever, thanks to the president. So, yeah, when he says, oh, these terrorist organizations, these terrorists, they need to pay a price. Well, I would ask Joe Biden, what price did Iran pay? 
They didn't. Israel paid the price for you making Iran stronger. Putin's already threatened to remind, quote, remind Poland that their Western land was a gift from Russia. One of his top advisors, a former president of Russia, has called Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania Russia's Baltic provinces. These are all NATO allies. For 75 years, NATO has kept peace in Europe and has been the cornerstone of American security. And if Putin attacks a NATO ally, we will defend every inch of NATO which a treaty requires and calls for. We'll have something that we do not seek. Make it clear, we do not seek. We do not seek to have American troops fighting in Russia or fighting against Russia. So the uh, president kept flipping back between uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia and Ukraine and Israel. And the reason why, again, I'm going to mention it a 19th time, is because he wants to tie the two together. But the problem with the statement that uh, I, I just played from the president is that Vladimir Putin, he hasn't invaded a NATO ally. Ukraine is not in NATO. He threatened, which is what he does. But Ukraine is not a NATO ally. But yes, Russia does remain very threatening. But remember, that's what they do. But also remember that Russia went into Ukraine because they saw weakness in Joe Biden after the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan. And those sanctions that Biden constantly put forward to keep Russia in line clearly. And we said this at the time. They clearly were not strong enough. It was like Biden was tiptoeing in. And those sanctions were not strong enough. Like Biden, not strong enough. They were weak. And there's no other way to say it. Now, some are saying that this war in Ukraine, again, could last another up to 20 years. So are we going to be spending $60 billion a year for the next 20 years for this war in Ukraine? And, and by the way, big issue here is that Zelensky, he simply doesn't want to negotiate. Again, there is no end game. And I think that's the problem. The problem is that the American people, by and large, see what's going on in Ukraine. And at first, people were like, "Okay, yes, we got to, you know, we got to save Ukraine. And, you know, Vladimir Putin is bad. But you see, as time goes on. And you realize there is no end game. And then you realize that even the Pentagon is questioning Zelensky. And his strategies. And whether or not we're doing the right thing. And do they really want, do the American people really want to fund another 20-year war? There's a lot of questions. And that's why Biden is trying to tie this $60 billion to the roughly $10 billion for Israel. So to be clear, Trump was going to tweet us into World War III. Remember all that? But in reality, with Joe Biden at the helm, Russia invades Ukraine in what could be a two-decade conflict. Hamas attacks Israel in a brazen attack with weapons paid for by an emboldened and armed Iran. And China's threats against Taiwan, by the way, continue to escalate as well. So that is what's happened under Joe Biden's watch. America is a beacon to the world. Still, still. Well, I think the world is wondering what in the world Joe Biden has done, because we do have uh, problems across the world and Part of them, not helped by Joe Biden. Some of them actually, in my opinion, caused 
by Joe Biden. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Got a lot more straight ahead. Dan Mandis on Red Eye Radio. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hotshot Secret, the country's number one fastest growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control. But oftentimes, the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel cetane number. In most states, the minimum a cetane number can be is 40. Through years of testing, Hotshot Secret has found the average cetane number across the nation is between 42 to to 45 and most modern engines are built in tune to operate best with a cetane number closer to 50 this is why a premium additive is needed to keep cetane numbers up to keep the engine operating at its best while helping with fuel economy and dpf regeneration cycles add hot shot secret everyday diesel treatment a six-in-one fuel booster at every fill-up to keep cetane numbers in a premium range while also protecting your fuel system learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and hot shot secrets everyday diesel treatment at hotshotsecret.com Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com and use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letter C P Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. I'm just, you know, the entire Biden foreign policy speech, you know, I spent the first segment kind of breaking down some of what he said. And I I would encourage you to go watch or listen to the entire speech. I feel like I pulled the, the relevant audio. And again, the whole thing was just a contradiction to what he's been doing for the last, uh, three years. And what I find interesting as you, you know, read some of the analysis that's out there, some people thought that it was a great speech. I didn't think it was all that great of a speech, but I didn't think it was a great speech because I know the history 
of what he's been doing for the last uh, you know couple two and a half three years, and so I know uh, exactly how this president has emboldened our enemies, and so it, it's hard for me to take anything that he says seriously. And that's part of the problem that we have here in America today. There's some new polling out. And the polling for Joe Biden is not good. And here's the thing. I agree with a lot of the other folks out there that say, well, polling doesn't matter. It's, you know, a year before the election. But it's a snapshot of where we are as a country. And where we are as a country, no matter what the topic is, whether it is the war, because now polling is coming in on the war and Joe Biden's handling of the Israeli situation. And I know that you won't be surprised when I tell you that the American people have so little confidence in this president. And so it does make me wonder how this speech is going to be uh, received, not only here in America, but uh, across the world. Because while words matter, I believe that actions speak louder than words. And, you know, the actions of Joe Biden since day one have portrayed a weakness that the enemy has been taking advantage of. And I don't really believe that what the president is doing or has done thus far really portrays uh, any kind of strength. But, you know, beyond that. Even if you agree. And by the way, I would love to know what your opinion is of the president's speech. And that phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE. But, you know, you could even say, because I've heard some conservatives say that they thought that the president's speech was was actually pretty good. Which is certainly fine, well and good. But one speech, which even if you would agree that it was a strong speech, I don't, but whatever. But if you thought that it was a strong speech... Okay, that's all fine, well, and good, but what about the last three years of weakness on the foreign stage? Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Here is Dan Mandis. All right, I'm going to play you a soundbite that uh, left me a little befuddled and a little confused. Uh, Dan Mandis here, indeed, on Red Eye Radio, eight six six ninety Red Eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. In for Gary and Eric. So. By the way, very quickly, a couple of uh, headlines for you, just uh, so you know exactly what's going on. Uh, Apparently, the State Department has now issued a worldwide caution alert for Americans. So they say there is increased potential for terrorist attacks, uh, demonstrations or violent actions against U.S. citizens. The uh, U.S. Embassy in Beirut is uh, also urging American citizens uh, this evening to make plans to leave Beirut as soon as possible. My question would be, why in the world are you still in Beirut? But anyway, so leave Beirut as soon as possible. Uh, commercial options are still available uh, right now. But they say as uh, fighting intensifies, uh, the commercial options may not be available. So they're saying 
that Americans need to leave Beirut while they can. The U.K. and Germany have been issuing uh, similar warnings to their citizens. Uh, The U.S. Navy uh, shot down cruise missiles that potentially headed for Israel. That was uh, earlier today. And uh, we're also setting up the um, 100, 100 million bucks in that aid to Gaza. Now, this is where that audio bite comes in, because one of the big questions regarding that uh, $100 million in aid to the Palestinians living in Gaza, one of the things that we've been talking about is how do you ensure that that money doesn't end up or that that uh, aid doesn't end up in the hands of Hamas? Because that's always been the problem. And, and this is what is so baffling to me uh, about uh, all of these uh, anti-Israel, anti-American protests in the Middle East, because all of these nations they're hand-wringing, and they're worried about the people of Palestine, or they're worried about the people of Gaza. Well, it's been Hamas that has been incredibly abusive to the people of Gaza. Because Hamas are the ones that have been, you know, destroying that area, destroying that region. And so you've got countries that do try to provide humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza, and it ends up in the hands of Hamas. And so understandably, the people that are giving the aid, you know, like this hundred million dollars from America, the question is, okay, so how do we ensure that that money does not end up in the hands of Hamas? And so there's an interview that's going on. I, I, I believe this was on CNN, but they're talking to a guy from Biden's State Department. And the question came up. How is the United States going to ensure that none of that ends up in the hands of Hamas? Uh, Well, as you know, this was a primary focus of the president's diplomacy uh, yesterday, both uh, in Israel, uh, where he met uh, with the entire Israeli security establishment, but also uh, in his phone conversations with regional leaders, uh, including President al-Sisi of Egypt. Uh, Getting assistance into Gaza is a complicated undertaking. It involves uh, essentially securing an understanding among uh, Hamas fighters uh, who control the checkpoint on the other side of the border, among uh, the government of Israel and among the government of Egypt. Uh, And the agreement the president uh, secured will enable these trucks to flow as soon as the roadway can be repaired. But the president was also quite clear Uh that if this assistance goes in, it cannot be uh, misappropriated, cannot be taken uh, by Hamas fighters for their own purposes. And so we're going to be watching that very closely. It has to get to Palestinian civilians who need it. It has to. But the question is, from what you just said, is the U.S. then essentially in a position where it has to take the word of Hamas that it will not be taken? I mean, what other guarantee can there be? We believe there is an understanding now among all of the uh, players who control that crossing, the Rafah crossing in, in Egypt. In other words, we're going to trust Hamas. With that $100 million in aid, and you just heard the, the Biden spokesperson say from the State Department, we have reached an understanding with Egypt, Israel and Hamas. Now, I will I will remind you and listen, just so we're clear, just so you know, I am all for humanitarian aid. I am. I'm all for humanitarian aid. I, I understand that the people in this area, it, they have been devastated by Hamas and they've been devastated by what Hamas did to Israel. And and when Hamas attacks Israel and then Israel does what it has to do, a lot of these folks in uh, Gaza, well, they've got no food, they've got no water and, and they need help. And a lot of these folks are kids. So I understand the need. 
But reaching an understanding with Hamas doesn't exactly ooze a lot of confidence for yours truly. It, it just it doesn't. And remember, this is the same administration that was going to give Iran six point five billion dollars for those hostages. And the understanding was that it was supposed to be, you know, again, air quotes, uh, humanitarian aid only. And then Iran comes back and Iran says, uh, no, we'll use that money for whatever we want. So these understandings uh, with these, you know, uh, terrorist nations or these terrorist groups uh, don't exactly bring a lot of confidence that they're going to live up to the understanding. Uh, phone number is 866-90-RED. I want to say hello to David in Boulder, Colorado. David, thanks for calling Red Eye Radio. How are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm a huge, avid fan of KL Radio in Denver. Love it, especially Dan Kappas in the afternoons. I never listen to it at 1130 at night. I happened to catch you this night, though, because the uh, the classic rock station was playing some duds. Let's put it that way. But I was shocked. I was shocked and uh, appalled at the whole premise of your argument. We're not going to send $60 billion to Ukraine where they've been raping and pillaging and stealing children for 18 months now. But all of a sudden, two weeks ago, Republicans want nothing to do with Ukraine, but all of a sudden all the, they're on, you know, the Israeli, you know, tip. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it's shocking to me. Shocking and appalling. I'm shocked and appalled. I've got Ashkenazi in me, so I feel this deeply. The idea that somehow... We're going to uh, not let uh, – we've got to help Israel. But this is not Joe Biden's problem. This has been going on for, what, 75 years? This no, it's been – 1948 it's, it, was the year? Well, no, no, no. It's been going on for thousands of years. But, but, David, let's cut to the chase. So my issue with Ukraine is the fact that the money is unaccountable. We're, we're giving all of this money. It's a blank check. There seems to be no. We don't give them money. We only give them arms. We only give them weapons. No. We oh, David, 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 you've got to read up, my friend. We give them arms. We give them money to live. We prop up their businesses. We give them all kinds of aid. It's not just military. We're propping up that entire country. Did you know that? Uh Everything it, we've given it, them it, has been armed. It's too, and you can no. track every single shell we give David, them, every David, single missile right. we give them. David, I need you I need you to do some research because we are giving them far more than just military aid. We're also giving them uh, aid in many, many other ways so that the country can continue to do what the what the country uh, does. Again, including helping their businesses, we're helping people with pensions, we're paying salaries. I mean we're we're propping up that entire country. So the, the point that I'm making, though, David, is I'm not pro Vladimir Putin. And see, this is the this is the problem that and I don't want to fight. I want to have a conversation with you. So I'm I'm not pro Vladimir Putin. I'm not pro, you know, women being raped and children being killed. And I'm not I'm not pro any of that. What I am is is pro making sure that we know that our money is being utilized and utilized well, and we do have some sort of a plan. We do have an end game. We do have a way to 
end this thing instead of being involved in yet another 20-year conflict. That's what I'm pro. So if somebody from the Biden administration and, – and by the way, uh, David, don't forget the Pentagon had those papers that were leaked. And even people in the Pentagon are worried that there really is no end game here. Even from the leaked Pentagon papers, they're concerned about Zelensky's approach. So it's not necessarily that I'm against aid to Ukraine. My problem is that the money seems to be going into a black hole where there is no end game and there's no way out. And it is just going to go on and on. 20 years of $60 billion, David, that's not what I want. What I want is an it end game. It feels a lot and, like and if 75 could, years of the black hole. That's the Israeli-Palestinian issue, right? I mean, no one's ever going to solve this problem. It's, uh, this has been going on for 1,500 years. Do you know? Do you know? Hey, especially hey, David, gone for the last hey, hey, David, 75. Hey, David, do you know, do you know how much we give uh, Israel every year? Uh, I could not tell you the number off the top of my head. I know, I, I that, can, I know I we can, definitely support can, them in a David, strong way. David, I can tell you. We give them 3.8 to $3.9 billion a year. Compare that to what we're giving Ukraine. And we also know exactly where that money with Israel, we also know exactly where that money is going. A good part of that money is going to fund the Iron Dome, which is uh, their, their defense system, missile defense system, so that when Iran is shooting rockets into Israel, they can knock them down. And, and by the way, also don't forget, uh, David, that Israel has been a longtime ally of America. They've been a longtime friend of our country, one of our, our longest allies, of course, and, and also the uh, really the only uh, democracy in the Middle East. And so for, for me, there is a distinct difference between, you know, the money going to Ukraine and the money going to uh, Israel. And, and by the way, the other part of my monologue, which you apparently found horrific, which is fine, uh, is the fact that Joe Biden has given a, a whole bunch of money to Iran, or at the very least, uh, given Iran the opportunity to make billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars, by looking the other way on oil sanctions. So, so that's my my big issue, David. Is is not that I'm I'm I'm, I'm pro Vladimir Putin, and see that's you know people who are for Ukraine funding, they like to distort the words of people like me. Because you, you all accuse us of, of saying, well, you know, you're pro Vladimir Putin and you want to see children killed and women raped and blah, blah, blah. No, we don't. We, we, we want to see an end game because we want to see Ukraine victorious and we want to see Vladimir Putin weakened. But, you know, $60 billion a year going to what? What kind of strategy are we utilizing to defeat Vladimir Putin? I, I, just, I don't see it. And, and neither do people in the Pentagon. Uh, go ahead, David. I'm going to let you have the last word. And I do thank you for calling in. Uh, we spent $7 trillion in Iraq and Afghanistan, and we pay $5 a gallon for gas. What, what does what that have to do with what we're talking about? Iran. We're going to spend does... $7 trillion against war against Iran? I mean, the whole, the whole idea is absolutely ludicrous. All right, David. Thank you very much for the I, whatever. I, I, I kind of get where he was going, but I don't really understand. I mean, for me, when you look at Ukraine and you look at Israel, and th- this is a debate that's going on. And, it's a, and by the way, just so we're clear, folks, it is a legit debate. 
It is an absolutely legit debate. We, we have all of this money going to Ukraine, and then now all of a sudden, here we are getting involved in the situation with Israel. But I, it's, it was all self-contained right there in the phone call that I had with David. To me, the differences between the two. But again, these are legit questions that we, the American people, are going to have to grapple with moving forward. And David, again, I appreciate the call. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Eight six six ninety red eyes the phone number. Just uh, real quick as a final thought on that previous call. I looked it up. How much aid has uh, the U.S. sent to Ukraine? I'm not entirely certain uh, when this uh, story was written. But it says financial aid, $26.4 billion, or 34% of the total number of dollars that we've sent to Ukraine, has been what they call financial aid. So you're talking about uh, various... Uh, Funds and, and this is, again, propping up their economy, propping up uh, their businesses, uh, paying, you know, the uh, politicians there in Ukraine as well. So we are propping up their economy. There's no other way to, to say it. We're propping up uh, their country. We also have three point nine billion dollars in uh, humanitarian aid, which, by the way, I don't mind uh, humanitarian aid. Uh, but this is just a situation where when you. And, and the debate, and I think my conversation with David was a good one in the sense that it tells you uh, the kind of debates that we are having where someone like me is simply saying that I don't want to be involved in a, another 15 to 20 year conflict where we're paying 60 to 70 billion dollars a year dealing with a war. And in this case, a, a war between Ukraine and Russia, especially one where there have been very serious questions. Let's not forget that Ukraine is incredibly corrupt as well. They're still corrupt. And so, yeah, you know what? If I'm a bad guy for sitting here and saying I don't want to pay $60 billion to, uh, you know, never-ending war, that makes me a bad guy, so be it. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HowesProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio. 
866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Hope you're doing well. The uh, gentlemen return next Sunday night, Monday morning. And I got to tell you, times could not be tougher for uh, Joe Biden right now because America is going through a tough time. And so there's some new polling that is uh, out there. And you look at the polling. And by the way, this just comes off of the uh, president's speech last night. He's uh, talking about and he's uh, ramping up to give $100 billion to a combination of Israel, uh, Ukraine. Looks like Taiwan is going to be put in the mix there as well. And and the vast majority of that money is going to go to Ukraine. So we're going to we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more straight ahead. There's a lot going on. But I want to go back to. This polling, because this is new polling from uh, a number of different outlets, but uh, one of them is CBS News. But I want to I want to point to a comment that uh, Joe Joe Biden made uh, when he I think this was uh, his first or second day in office when he said. And I'm sending a clear message to the world. America is back. So he said that America is back. And that was um, you know, again, first or second day in office. And it is amazing when you think about how America is not back. Because under Trump, we were never gone, but also how we've gone backwards. Do you realize that we live in a country where the official position of the Democrats, of the, the political party, the Democrats, roughly half the country, The official position is that they don't even know what a woman is. They can't define what a woman is. And they believe that a man can be a woman just by declaring it. America is back. No, we're not. We're going backwards. Do you realize that we live in a country under Joe Biden that has now been invaded by millions of people from dozens of countries, dangerous countries, and we don't know who they are or what their intentions are? America is back. No, it's not back. We're going backwards. Under Joe Biden, we live in a country where home ownership is now pretty much out of reach for many Americans thanks to Biden's economy. As interest rates continue to soar. I mean, you got to love that Bidenomics. America is back. No, Joe, it's not. Do you know that we live in a country under Joe Biden where crime is soaring in America? And roughly half the country, the Democrats, they don't even feel like these criminals should be prosecuted. America is back. No, it's not. Under Joe Biden, the last three years, we have gone backwards. One of our longest running allies in the Middle East, Israel, has been attacked with over a thousand killed. And we're inching closer to World War Three. America is back. And by the way, that uh, attack on Israel funded, as I've been telling you all week, of course, people know, funded by Joe Biden. Because he's given Iran every opportunity to earn tens of billions of dollars by looking the other way on oil sanctions. And so for Joe Biden, I mean, this is a guy who has made America weaker. So to say, as he did 
as Donald Trump was packing up and going back to Mar-a-Lago for Joe Biden to say that, you know, America was back. Um, No, America was not gone. Under Donald Trump. But now under Joe Biden, we have indeed gone backwards. I mean, just a few hours ago. Two of our military bases housing our U.S. forces in Iraq were targeted by drones and rockets. After Iraqi militants warned Washington that we should not be getting involved in the Hamas war in uh, Gaza against Israel. So for all of, uh, you know, Joe Biden's bravado when he first came into office, um, clearly Joe Biden has done more damage than good for America. And Americans, by the way, uh, we all agree that America is clearly not back. We've gone backwards. And the polling shows just that headline this evening. Daily Mail Trump leads Joe Biden in five pivotal swing states. More alarm bells for the White House as the president trails in areas that could decide the election in 2024. By the way, they are tied in uh, Michigan. Now, what's interesting, and just so you folks know, and and I host a local talk show in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a morning host on 99.7 WTN. And uh, you can find out more information at 99.7 WTN.com, 6 to 10 Eastern, if you want to check it out. But here's the thing. It may sound like I'm just rah-rahing for Trump, but I'm not. I'm not a cheerleader for Donald Trump. I'm a cheerleader for conservatism. But I'm also very much of an issue-by-issue guy. But when it comes to the GOP primary, I'm a free agent. I could go DeSantis. I could go to Donald Trump. I voted for Donald Trump twice. But I remain a free agent. But the fact of the matter is, is that the former president is in the news a lot. And the reason why he's in the news a lot is because he is making a lot of noise, whether it's all of the uh, allegations against him, all the the lawsuits and and all of those kinds of things, or with the fact that the president, a former president, is doing really well in the polling against the current president, and the current president's Department of Justice is going after him. But Donald Trump leads Joe Biden in five key swing states, four of which he won over former President Donald Trump in 2020. Trump currently holds a minor edge with registered voters. You ready for this? In Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Wisconsin. Biden does remain a leader in Nevada, which uh, he also won in the last election. Now, this is a new morning uh, console. Bloomberg survey shows that Donald Trump ahead of Biden among registered voters in those states. But there's uh, more to it than that. And it's it's really interesting. As I pull up the uh, the charts here, I want to tell you that they're talking about the economy. They're talking about uh, the border. All of the things that we talk about on a daily basis in talk radio is what's fueling this anti Joe Biden um, bend. Trump leading Biden in key swing states, Arizona, Donald Trump, 47 percent, Biden, 43, Georgia, Trump, 48 percent. Biden is at 43. Michigan, they're tied. Nevada, 46, 43, Biden in favor. North Carolina, Donald Trump, 47 percent, Joe Biden, 43, 
Pennsylvania, Trump is at 46. Biden is at 45. Finally, in Wisconsin, Trump is at 46. Biden is at 44 percent. But here's the thing. All of those are within the margin of error. But who would have thought? Who would have thought that with the bravado of Joe Biden coming in and and trying to tell us that America was down and out, that we would be even worse now than we were when Joe Biden took office? Because let's face it, when Joe Biden took office, things were not necessarily bad. I don't believe things were bad at all. The economy was good. Our border was secure. We had had four years of peace. Things were not bad. So when when Biden was out there screaming about how, you know, America was back, I think a lot of people may have actually been a little confused as to really because where exactly uh, did we go? I know where we were with Donald Trump and there's a lot of prosperity. You know what the problem is these days? The problem these days is that we don't have nearly as much prosperity as uh, we had before Joe Biden took office. And, and, and he keeps talking about Bidenomics. And this is part of the thing with Joe Biden. And we had a whole thing yesterday uh, during last night's show about, you know, lying Biden and about how the, the Democrats and especially Joe Biden, who has made a career out of lying. I mean, his first presidential bid was uh, sidelined by plagiarism. But they keep trying to tell us that Bidenomics is a good thing. According to the polling among swing state voters who registered the economy as their number one issue, just 14 percent said that Bidenomics is working. 14 percent, while 65 percent say that it's not. This was on CNBC. You see time and again that voters aren't necessarily feeling that, including in the latest data, which you've mentioned, the Bloomberg Morning Consult poll. Biden is not getting good marks on the economy right now. And generally, people don't seem to be thrilled with Bidenomics. Yeah, they certainly don't. Look at that. 49% bad, 26% good in terms of how people feel about Bidenomics. Yeah, people people feel um, very strongly about Bidenomics and not in a good way. And see, that's why it's stunning that the Biden administration keeps trying to sell Bidenomics as a good thing. You can't put lipstick on a pig. Or at least you can try, but it's not going to make the pig look any better. And that's what Bidenomics is uh, all about. Now, of course, this poll means nothing except that right now, Americans seem unified in our disapproval of the president. And how do Americans, by the way, feel that Biden is handling the war between Israel and Hamas. Well, this is from uh, CBS, and it's uh, pretty clear right now, early on, that the American people don't approve of the way Biden is handling the war. You've got 56% from CBS News, 56% disapprove, and you've got 44% who approve. Look, start off with this. Now, Biden's approval on handling this conflict is just a few ticks higher than his overall approval, and it's net negative. And part of this is the partisan splits that you might expect to see, but I want to point this out. It's a little bit less partisan than you might otherwise expect because you've got a third of Democrats who disapprove of how Biden's handling this. And Republicans, okay, this is not high at 28 percent approval, but it is higher than the way they approve of him overall or on a lot of other issues. 
Why is that? Well, you used the word in the intro, mixed. And there's a bit of a mix on what exactly people want Joe Biden to do. Yeah, and that is a big question. What do what do people want Joe Biden to do? I'm going to say hello to DJ in upstate New York. Thanks for calling Red Eye Radio. Hi. Hello, DJ. Hi. Hi. How are you? Great show. You're, you're good. Um, you. OK, <laughs> where do I begin? Um, I, don't, I don't think I don't I I think Biden cannot do anything. I think he is basically a perverted moron, in my opinion. And um I think that when he goes and he makes this big deal about giving Israel money and then he gives even more money, basically, to me, he is enabling Hamas. And he gives a lesser amount to Israel as a deflection. And you cannot tell me in my heart of hearts he, is, he does not get kickbacks. You know he does. He's known for that. Well, yeah. And one thing I would say, DJ, and you're right, he is known for kickbacks. That is something that uh, the Republicans have been investigating. And and so I I will tell you, and we had quite a spirited conversation with a guy in the previous hour. And I was trying to explain the differences between Mm -hmm. the money for Israel and the money for Ukraine. And to to me, there is a difference. But, you know, the one the one commonality, I would say, is that. The American people, by and large, very much approve of funding for uh, Israel. I mean, that seems to be, at least right now, the American people approve of the funding for Israel. Remember a lot of people when when we just first started the 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 aid to Ukraine, a lot of people Uh were for it. The problem has been that over the last uh, year and a half or so. Uh, A lot of people have have started to become very cynical of the funding to Ukraine. And again, it's all about the fact that there is no end game. And so that's part of my frustration is that, you know, if if we're going to give them all this money, okay, but please show us how this is going to end at some point soon. And this is not going to be a 20 year war. So, yeah, he never speaks of an end game ever. And we all know how he sits back and profits from whatever ter- turmoil is going in the country. He cashes in on it. And well, and, and, and there's many, and I think, many years. And, and DJ, I got to run, but I, I appreciate the call. And I, I think there, most of the uh, folks who are conservative have a lot of suspicion on Joe Biden and, and for very good reason. And so one of the things that I would like to see is, you know, some questions answered on Ukraine. And coming up in the next uh, segment, I'll talk a little bit about uh, where exactly is our funding for Ukraine going? Because I think a lot of people don't really understand, including the caller that I spoke to before. People don't exactly understand where that money is going. And I'll talk about that next on Red Eye Radio. Brought to you by FPPF. Fuel Power Max. It's a common road rumor that it's impossible for one truck owner operators and even carriers with just two or three trucks to get freight direct from the source, the shipper. Yet, hard won experience from untold numbers of owner operators with authority disproves the notion. Search your home base area and later, frequent freight destinations to find all the manufacturers, distributors, and other shippers in the area. 
Once you get that list, ask yourself if those companies know who you are and what you do. If not, you're leaving opportunities on the table. Strive to own your backyard, to build a solid foundation for the business. For many a small fleet, it's the loads outbound from home that are the bread and butter. But you can take that same approach to the destination area, identifying shippers there and getting on the phone to make sure they know who you are and what you do. Owner Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business program. Go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, 86690. Red Eye is the phone number, 866-907-3339. I uh, want to say hello to, this is Sandra calling from uh, Oregon on Red Eye Radio. Sandra, thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Hey, thank you, Dan. I really appreciate what you have been doing for us and speaking truth to the to the public. And I think that's really important that the focus is out instead of inward because there's too many people thinking only of themselves and their little petty uh, arguments instead of policies and principles. Um, So go ahead and ask me a question. Which one do you want me to go on? Like the Ukraine thing? Oh, uh, talk about whatever you want. Go ahead. (laughs) But we've only got about a minute. So, so yeah, go ahead and tell me what you want to say. uh, When, when you've lost your integrity, it's very hard to get it back, and he's lost his integrity on the world scene so that everybody knows what's going on. You just watch his behavior, and it's an old thing. You know, it's, you know, bookies see it all the time. Right. So uh, what we need to do is put some strength to it for security for the people, and then, uh, but not necessarily someone who's narcissistic, right? Okay. And then uh, go ahead and put honesty there and start over. From, from A, to, to retrain everybody. You don't retreat, you reload. It's kind of like you can't go under it, you can't go over it, you can't go around it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have this baby no matter whether you like it or not. All right, uh, Sandra, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. And there's a lot to unpack there, especially when you talk about the Republicans and the GOP primary. That's where we're going to go, coming up next on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. 86690-RED Eye is the phone number. 866-907-3339. Just a few things to uh, clean up and catch up on. 
So this is an article from Newsweek. We we had a conversation earlier in the broadcast with a guy. He called up. He was appalled uh, that uh, I said that we should be questioning and looking very seriously at all of this money that we're constantly giving to uh, Ukraine. Part of Biden's speech tonight was, um, you know, it's going to be 60, 70 more billion dollars to send to Ukraine. And he was, I think the uh, term he used out of Denver was uh, shocked and appalled or whatever, which is fine. I don't mind being, you know, shocking and appalling to somebody. But, you know, one of the things that he said was that the only thing that we're paying for as it relates to Ukraine is military. And that is simply not true. And I told him that it wasn't true. He didn't believe me, but that's fine. But uh, I I mean, I, I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, actually right after the call, that we have given of all the money that we've given, I, I want to say it's about 34 uh, percent goes to other than military. And so what ultimately part of what we're doing is we're making up for the budget shortfall in Ukraine. This is from Newsweek. Ukrainian leaders are calling on the U.S., the European Union, Union and the International Monetary Fund to cover a predicted budget deficit of up to $55 billion, a shortfall which threatens to collapse Ukraine from within, even while its troops steadily push back, occupying Russian forces. And so what ultimately we did is we helped to prop up their economy by making that uh, by making up that budget shortfall. And so between that, you know, making up the government's budget shortfall, there's also a number of other things that we're doing, like paying the the salaries of the politicians. We're also helping the, uh, you know, various businesses in Ukraine, the the corporate entities in Ukraine as well. They call it, you know, ultimately um, billions in financial assistance. And so you've also got nine billion dollars in humanitarian support as well. So there's a lot of money that's going into Ukraine, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's a big topic of conversation here in America, as it should be. And as Americans, we should be asking questions about the money we're sending to Ukraine. And I feel like part of the argument that the other side is using, and just so we're clear, there are many Republicans who say that we should continue to give money to Ukraine. There's some Republicans and, and, and conservatives that say that we should, uh, you know, give Ukraine as much money as they could possibly want. But my question, and it's a question, is what is the end game and what's the what's the policy here? Because, you know, uh, the, the policy can't simply be blank checks. And, and if that's, you know, uh, appalling to some folks, well, OK, that's fine. You can be appalled. But we need to answer these questions, because if somebody said to me, here's how we're going to win the war. Here's how we're going to win the war. Here's how we're going to end this in a month. Here's how we're going to end this in two months. Part of the problem that we have with Ukraine is that we started off really weak. I mean, from the sanctions to then Putin goes into Ukraine and we, we were giving Ukraine, and I said this last night, we were giving Ukraine just enough uh, weaponry not to lose but not to win. Like, we didn't give them enough to win, and we, we gave them just enough not to lose. And so the way that we've been helping Ukraine and the way that we've been helping them militarily is just sort of to, to maintain the status quo. Now, 
if we really wanted to help Ukraine, we would have given them everything that they needed right away and taken care of Putin's military. Boom. Like that. And put an end to it and just stop it. But we didn't. It was piecemeal at a time, piecemeal at a time, piecemeal at a time, piecemeal at a time. And now here we are. And now Russia has, you know, even though uh, Putin's military, it, it is becoming depleted. That is a good thing. And by the way, just because you ask questions about where this money is going, it doesn't mean that you approve of people getting killed. And it doesn't mean that you are a Putin puppet because, you know, you you are questioning the the money going to Ukraine. And most conservatives that I know, all they want to know is accountability and an end game. That's it, because we don't want to be in another 20 year war. And I always go back to the same points, which is the Pentagon has 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 had questions about uh, Vladimir Zelensky and the way that he is uh, navigating this war. They've had questions about the weaponry and if they have the proper weapons to do what they need to do. And even though we're questioning the weapons that he has, well, we're giving him the weapons. So the whole thing just doesn't seem like it's being managed real well. And so simply asking, and this is part of the frustration with, you know, a guy who talks about this on the radio incessantly, simply asking a question means that you approve of uh, Vladimir Putin and that you want to give Ukraine uh, to uh, Vladimir Putin. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that Joe Biden himself has said that Ukraine should not be in uh, in NATO. So we're giving a non-NATO country a blank check for the next 20 years. That That's what it seems like to me. And in the meantime, not to sound, you know, too cliche on this at this point, because everybody says this, but, you know, here we are doing all of this, uh, giving Ukraine all this money to protect their border. But, you know, ours is, of course, wide open. And we're worried about Ukraine's budget shortfall. What about ours? But it's the problem with the Ukraine conversation is that there is no right answer. Right. So if you are somebody who says, why in the hell are we continuing to send all this money to Ukraine? Yet nobody's nobody's asking a question about an endgame. I've probably interviewed I don't know, three or four different senators, and I can't tell you how many uh, various uh, Congress people. And they all do say the same thing, which is, where is this money going? What is the end game? What is the foreign policy? Because a blank check is not a foreign policy. And so if you ask questions, then you get you know hit with, oh, you're pro, uh, pro-Vladimir Putin. You want to give Ukraine away. You're pro-terrorist. Really? You're going to call a you're going to call conservatives pro-terrorism. But then if you say, you know what, I think that we should uh, give Ukraine as much money as they possibly need. That's clearly the wrong answer. Because at some point. At some point, and I would hope that it's not 20 years down the road, but at some point, something's got to give. So there is there is no right answer. I believe that my answer is the right answer. However, there's a lot of disagreement with my answer. But here's the thing is that everybody's got a valid opinion. Everybody's got valid questions. 
because the people that say that, you know, we should continue to fund Ukraine, they've got very valid reasons for wanting to continue to fund Ukraine. And the people that say we should uh, either stop funding or ask a lot of serious questions if we're going to continue that funding, I think those people, and that's where I fall uh, in that category, I think those people have very valid concerns as well. But as usual, when you start talking about this, then people start yelling at you and making, you know, these accusations, which I think doesn't help the conversation at all. Oh, and by the way, uh, the Pentagon, what is it, five years? Is it five or six years in a row now the Pentagon uh, keeps failing their audits? That's another reason why the American people are so incredibly cynical of this kind of an arrangement. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. I want to tell you real quickly what's going on with the search for a speaker. It's not going well. Uh, Jim Jordan had a meeting today, and uh, he came out of the meeting. And apparently what happened in the meeting is... From what I'm understanding, the folks that are anti Jim Jordan basically told him, you're not getting our support. This is a waste of time and you need to drop out. And so Jordan was photographed and he was taped, of course, coming out of this meeting and um, he looked really angry. There's no other way to say it. He looked really angry. He said the meeting went good, but it clearly uh, did not go good, go good. And in his hand. He had a piece of paper and it's been photographed. This piece of paper has been photographed and the piece of paper said, what is the real reason? In other words, what is the real reason why he was uh, clearly not going to get the vote of those people that are anti Jim Jordan? And by the way, the uh, people that are anti Jim Jordan, that number is growing. Because there's all kinds of stories out there is the story because, you know, he is, uh, you know, too vitriolic. He's too controversial. He's a Trump supporter. Donald Trump supports him. Or is it because, as I've been talking to you about this the last several nights, because the supporters of Jim Jordan have been uh, incredibly passionate about getting him to the uh, speaker's gavel? Because there's all kinds of different reasons that are floating out there. Let's say hello very quickly to uh, Vicky is in Missouri. Vicky, thank you for holding and welcome to Red Eye Radio. Thanks, Dan, for taking my call. Sure. Uh, as, as far as the one you're just talking about, you know, there's a lot of people my age that say, well, I can't do anything. I've just got one vote. Well, that vote can count if you, you get together with a bunch of people and use it. And I would like to tell my people from Missouri that if they don't vote for Jim Jordan, that they won't get my vote in the next election unless they're running for dog catcher. And I'm not sure I'd give it even then. So that takes care of that. So have you, so Vicki, let me ask you, Vicki, so have you called your representatives in uh, Missouri, the Republicans? Yep. Okay. Yep. Have they, I'm Um, I'm curious, have they uh, responded? No. Okay. They're busy right now. But I'm sure that that the call gets listed, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, and and as far as the other, what concerns me about Israel is the young people in this country. They don't realize, as we realize, what went on during the Second World War. 
and the fact that the German people were fed Kool-Aid. And I keep thinking to myself, I think Jim, uh, President Biden is, is handing out Kool-Aid. And worse, I was stupid enough to drink it. Well, you know, one of the things that I would say, Vicki, I got to put you on hold. But one of the things that that I would say, and I appreciate the call. I'm I'm running late for a break. You bring up a good point. Um, I am heartened by the fact that I am seeing uh, some pro-Israel rallies across the country, namely in New York. And I don't know if you've seen this, but there is a a really big, I'd call it sizable. There is a sizable pro-Israel rally in New York and you had a lot of people out there supporting Israel. And so to me, and this is to your point, Vicky, to me, that is obviously clearly a positive because, you know, the Rashida Tlaib's out there and these uh, knucklehead students coming out of like Harvard and UPenn and some of these other places, they're getting a lot of media. They're, they're getting a lot of attention. The reason why they're getting a lot of attention is because the American people are horrified at their anti-Israel stance. But the reality is that there is a lot of people that are pro-Israel and anti-Hamas. And what we want is a stronger Israel. And we do want to support and protect Israel as they're getting attacked by anti-American, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel terrorists. And so while, again, the knuckleheads out there are getting a lot of publicity, the good news is that the American people have stood up. They've taken notice and they do realize that America does need to give Israel the support that it needs. And, Vicki, I appreciate the call. 866-90-RED-EYE. Dan Matt is here on Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. is where we find Richard in Nashville. Thanks for calling in, Richard. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, Dan. I enjoy your show. Uh, it's your local show here, 99.7. Uh, we listen every morning what we can. Thank you, man. Uh, I wanted to make a point, three, or two points, and a, a very, very quick point. Uh, one, uh, we talked about the, the call that called up, said we give nothing but military aid to uh, Ukraine. That's ridiculous and preposterous because we find out that uh, Zelensky is bought into the corruption of his country. He has been caught. And, of course, the liberal uh, fact checkers said, no, that's not true. He has been caught <clears throat> siphoning money off this aid and has bought three luxury villas in Europe. I don't know if you knew that. Multi-million dollar villas using the money from the, the aid, which doesn't surprise me. No, I don't have to Two, find that link. Okay. Two, if uh, <clears throat> we find out what the total uh, enamoration and the total uh, absorption of Ukraine is, if we find out, and I'd like to, if Burisma is, is driving our foreign policy, I'd like to find out. I mean, there's going to be hell to pay on that. Yep, you got, you got five seconds. Go, quick. Three, uh, the one that is driving uh, the brain-dead Obama, uh, the brain-dead Biden is uh, ex-President Obama. Let's lunch with him. Three. All right, thanks. Got to go. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.
now. It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here indeed. Find out more about me on my social media pages. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dan Mandis Show. And I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk 99.7 WTN, 6 to 10 Eastern. And you can listen at 99.7 WTN.com. So we're getting a breakdown of what exactly it is uh, that Joe Biden wants to do with this $100 billion. And uh, we're going to get into uh, some of the weeds here. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But it is being met with some resistance by Republicans because, as I was remarking earlier in uh, the program, he's tied it all together. So you can't ask for, you know, $14 billion for Israel and then $60 billion for Ukraine and some of these other things, tying everything together so that you can't have a conversation on what's going on, for example, with Ukraine. You even have... Republicans now officially going on the record as saying that they're going to resist this aid package because they wouldn't have a talk about Ukraine. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is from the Daily Mail. Plans for President Biden's funding request will see $60 billion given to Ukraine, $14 billion for Israel, according to sources familiar. Another $10 billion has been earmarked for humanitarian aid and seven billion dollars for the indio pacific i should say the indo-pacific region including to bolster taiwan and uh, the president is asking uh, congress and lawmakers to pass the spending package and uh, here's what they're saying about the republicans they are saying the proposal is already being met with resistance by congressional republicans who are wary of giving any new money to Ukraine and do not want different funding to be grouped together. I mean, that that's common sense. You know, this is just like, you know, one of the big disagreements within Congress is these omnibus spending bills, right, where all of the crap is just thrown together into one massive spending bill and you, you can't talk about anything. You can't say, well, I don't want to spend money on that, but I'm okay spending money on that. Nope, you've got to prove everything or nothing, or the government's going to get shut down. I mean, businesses don't do that. You don't do that in your household, do you? No. And so, to me, what Biden is doing, it's the same games that Washington, D.C. has been playing for years. Top Republicans are said to be plotting how to hold up President Biden's supplemental funding ask, uh, saying there's no path forward if Israel, Ukraine and the southern border aid are tied together. On Thursday, Republican Senator Roger Marshall wrote a letter which was signed by seven additional GOP Senate colleagues demanding that Israel and Ukraine aid be debated separately. That's what needs to happen. The eight senators said that Biden is risking a government shutdown by trying the aid packages by tying the aid packages together. Well, here we are again talking about a government shutdown. 
And so you know what's going to happen, right? What's going to happen is you're going to have all of the, the, the media, the Democrats, everybody's going to be in hysterics. Because the Republicans are going to be seen as holding up funding for Israel. And, and that's going to be the narrative. Because most people, you know, they, they don't read beyond, uh, you know, the, the first or second paragraph. They're, people are so headline driven these days, it drives me crazy. And so they miss the overall broader perspective of some of these stories. So that is going to be a battle that uh, is apparently already begun. So that is a part of the conversation as um, the nation, you know, discusses and debates what the president had to say today regarding the uh, funding and whether or not we should be sending uh, that money to Ukraine and Israel and the like. We'll continue that conversation Uh, One of the things that is going on in this country that is really critically important is the fact that the Republicans, they don't have a Speaker of the House. Now, if I can briefly retrace for one second, uh, Jim Jordan uh, called off a third Speaker vote. I think this was supposed to be yesterday, and uh, he's still trying to get the support. Now, from what I understand, there's going to be another vote uh, today, Friday. At uh, some point, I think 11 or 12 o'clock, Jordan's going to hold another vote. But he had a meeting earlier today, and uh, from from what I'm hearing, it didn't go well. He had a meeting with the people that are decidedly anti-Jim Jordan. And so I I think part of what's going on is people want to know, what is it? Why is it that these, uh, you know, handful of Republicans, you know, 20 or so, they don't want Jim Jordan to be the Speaker of the House? Well, there's a lot of divisions going on within the Republican Party, and and the Republican Party is divided, just like America, by the way, is uh, divided. Now, it doesn't matter, I I would say, uh, who the speaker is, really, because whoever the speaker is has to deal with the same numbers and has to deal with a very, very thin uh, majority for the Republican Party. But it's clear from the polling that the Republican Party is solid behind Donald Trump. He leads all the polling. And it shows where we are. America and Americans' Republicans are more conservative than they have been for a long time. Donald Trump has come out and he has endorsed Jim Jordan. I would be willing to bet that the majority of Republicans and conservatives would be okay with Jim Jordan. The conservatives absolutely want Jim Jordan. And most rank-and-file Republicans across America would also say that uh, Jim Jordan is a guy that they could uh, handle and accept as Speaker of the House. But, you know, we can argue all day long, and and we probably uh, will. It's going to be a discussion for years to come. We can argue all day long about whether uh, Kevin McCarthy should have been vacated or not. But the bottom line is that he was and he was vacated using the rules that he agreed to. Now we need to come up with another speaker. uh, Pragmatism is coming into play here, because if you're a pragmatist, you've got to say, look, if we have a significant number of Republicans in districts that Biden won for president, then those members are vulnerable. By the way, there's 16. So here's the worry. This is just one of the layers of the conversation. The worry is that it could, if Jim Jordan 
ends up being the speaker, it could ultimately cost the Republicans the House majority in 2024 if Democrats are able to take advantage of a Jordan win. Because, you know, these uh, Democrat organizations, they are simply licking their chops, waiting for a Jim Jordan speakership. I played this for you earlier this week. Right now, the leading contender to become speaker and second in line of the presidency is a co-founder of the far-right House Freedom Caucus, election denier, MAGA extremist, who's arguably the member of Congress most involved in Donald Trump's attempted coup. Here is Jordan in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, attending a Stop the Steal rally two days after Election Day. In the weeks and months after that, Jordan went on various right-wing media outlets where he attempted to sow distrust in the 2020 election and made baseless claims of election fraud. Jim Jordan knew more about what Donald Trump had planned for January 6th than any other member of the House of Representatives. But Jim Jordan was privy to nearly everything, if not everything, about and pertaining to January 6th. Jim Jordan can't be trusted with the Constitution. Anyone who endorses Jordan and any member who votes for him is affirmatively voting for a coup plotter, an election denier, wow, and a foe of American democracy. So that is uh, the ad that they're getting ready to run. And obviously they're tying in January 6th and all of that. And of course, my comment earlier this week was, you know, this is um, something that I think most Republicans, most conservatives just don't care about. Because we see where the country is today and where the country is today is an absolute train wreck. Now, Don Bacon is one of those who refuses to vote for Jim Jordan. And he was speaking to CNN and he talked about why. Bottom line, they were saying the only person we will accept is Jim Jordan. And that's not how our rules work. I don't play a game or I don't get involved with the process where you can break the rules and I can't break the rules. It's, there had to be reciprocity here, and there was not. Uh, so it was not fair. Jim Jordan, I think, is a, a good man. He's a, uh, I think he's great as a chairman. But he was going to become the speaker after his followers or his supporters broke the rules to get rid of the two other guys, McCarthy and Scalise. It's not right. So that's was part of what's going on here. We, we talked about this earlier in the week where you've got the Republican Party in the House of Representatives They don't seem to have a problem with Jim Jordan. They've got a problem with how they got to this point. And what I would say to Don Bacon is you have all your reasons, but you literally just said that Jim Jordan is a good man. He's a good conservative. I would say that he's a good leader. He's a good messenger. So put all of your personal bickering aside, Don Bacon, and and rally the troops and get us a damn speaker. Because right now, what's happening is it's a really bad look for the Republicans because we look like we cannot legislate. One thing that some moderates have 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 wanted to do and the Democrats say they want to do this as well is they want to have the temporary speaker, uh, Patrick McHenry. They want to grant him more powers so that they could just table this whole speaker thing and uh, just say, okay, Patrick McHenry will sort of serve as a a sort of a speaker. And uh, we won't have to deal with all of this nonsense. Well, Matt Gates uh, was asked about all that. I, th- I think that I'm against speaker light. I'm against Bud Light. I believe it is a constitutional desecration 
to not elect a Speaker of the House. We need to stay here until we elect a Speaker. And if someone can't get the votes, we need to go on to the next person. But, but twisting and torturing the Constitution to empower a temporary Speaker is having a Speaker light that is not constitutionally contemplated, is deeply infirm, and I will do everything possible to stop it. So as I said, um, as I, as I said before, uh, you had Jim Jordan coming out of a meeting today, and they basically said to him, we will not vote for you. And the word coming back is it's not necessarily Jim Jordan. It's because of the supporters and how there's been a lot of, they say, bullying uh, going on. So it's just it's a situation now. And Trey Gowdy earlier this week said that you are dealing with a Republican Party where they literally, literally hate each other. So there's a lot going on and we need to get our you know what together in the House of Representatives. Uh, Bill is in Los Angeles on Red Eye Radio. Bill, thanks for calling in. Go ahead, sir. Hi, Dan. Uh, Good to hear you back in the hot seat. Uh, As a former old-school newspaper reporter uh, from the uh, generation that exposed and sidelined plagiarist Joe in 1988, I'm amazed at how this current crop of media lapdogs refuses to ask Joe some basic questions. Like, hey, Joe, do you remember 1979? Which country was it that took our embassy and still has it, along with 100-plus hostages? Iran. Yeah, right. And he's right. Old Joe doesn't seem to remember too much about that. And and I'd like and and I'd like to uh, I think you're being a little bit too nice to, to Joe when you say for three years he's been uh, bankrolling Iran. Let's let's uh, not re- not forget about those eight years. He was VP under Ayatollah Obama. That's what I call him. When <laughs> when Obama airlifted. Remember that hundred and fifty billion in cash they airlifted to Tehran when they were doing that nuclear deal. Yep. I do remember that, actually, Bill. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and here's the thing with and you bring up a great point because I've been screaming for, I mean, three years. But I really came to a head uh, the, this last couple of weeks where Biden has been bankrolling these countries. And clearly he has been uh, forgetting about the fact that Iran is not a country that we can trust. They do. Uh, they are the number one nation for state sponsored terror. And ever since this whole thing started, the conversation has been about how Iran is a sponsor of terror through Hamas and Hezbollah. So you're you're screaming at the television, you're screaming at the radio and you're and you're saying, but you funded all of this. You didn't know when you when you exactly. cut these deals. It, it, it drives me crazy. And not one person in that, as far as I know, and, and maybe over my skis on this one, but because I didn't see the whole press conference, but not one person in the White House press corps is asking the question, why is it he's saying this about how Iran is a sponsor of Hamas and Hamas wouldn't be wouldn't exist without uh, Iran. Yet Biden chose to give them all of that money and chose to ignore the sanctions. Nobody's asking that question of cringe Jean-Pierre. They, they can't get to Joe Biden. But you're right. They're not asking the question. It's like they're not able to you know, put two and two together and ask the question. Uh, Bill, you got 30 seconds for the last word. Go. Yeah, I'd, I'd also like to ask, why would we want to help this country? And, and again, Ayatollah Obama and Biden were trying to make a, a nuclear capability a roadway for Iran. And now everybody knows they're within about two months of getting an atomic weapon. Why would anyone in his right mind want to facilitate that with more funding? 
Well, and, and, and Donald Trump, not to sit here and be a, you know, a, an advocate all the time for Donald Trump, but Donald Trump called this years ago. And, Bill, I appreciate the call. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here on Red Eye Radio. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Coming up, I can't even believe I'm I'm reading this. What a Biden blunder. Uh, Wait till you hear this story. It's straight ahead. Mike, though, is in Texas on Red Eye Radio. Mike, thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Uh, You're very welcome, sir. Thank you for taking my call. I'm just an independent truck driver down here in Texas, you know, and – I just can't believe what's going on with Biden. I just think he's so compromised and all of the money that they're pledging to give to, you know, Israel, which I understand that's, that's, you know, what happened. But, you know, and you're talking about giving it to the Palestinians also. So it's like, you know, we have so much stuff going on in this country here that, you know, how are we, how are they affording to do that? to, you know, to pledge all these billions of dollars to them when they can't even take care of our own damn border here, excuse me for saying that. But, you know, we have a lot of issues here in the United States, and it seems like they're not pleasant to do anything about it, you know, but yet we're willing to jump in and throw billions at other countries that, you know, are not giving back to us. They don't, they don't give us nothing when we have a crisis. You know, even with it being Israel, I mean, they have all this oil over there. They got, you know, more than enough money. And if you're going to be sending monies into combat, well, of course, the terrorists that are there, I don't think it's going to make it to the actual citizens of in the, you know, in the, the Palestinians or right. the Israelis. Well, so here, so, so here's here's understand. a yeah, Mike. Here's here's where I would go with that, and I I appreciate the call. Where I would go with that is. Israel does need our help because Israel right now, and it's relatively speaking, it's a small amount of money. But what I would say is that, and people are talking about the differences between Israel and Ukraine. I think that Israel, if if we allow them to and we give them what they need, then they are going to be able to make, I would say, relatively quick work of Hamas. That is what I believe. Now, the big issue is this could ultimately blow up into World War III because you've got uh, Israel and you've got some of these other nations as well. So that's a very big deal. Yeah, we have no... uh, And I wonder, you know, uh, the ex-presidents that we've had in office from George Bush to, you know... Clinton or whatever, you know, they would. But you know, hey, Mike, Mike, we're gonna, Mike, we're, Mike, we're gonna have to put you on hold. I'll return next on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, from the Uniden America Studios. 
Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. What a Biden blunder, that coming up. I want to finish up, though, with Mike. We were so rudely interrupted by the commercial break. Mike, go ahead. Uh, wrap it up, uh, if you would. No, no, you're okay. But, yeah, you know, it's like we're sending all this money and it's not even being accounted for. You know, nobody knows where, this, where it's going. And there's nobody explaining anything. And now, you know, they want to send more American troops, you know, overseas when we've, we've been there, done that. You know, they should never pulled out anyway. So now we're backtracking and, you know, we're going to lose lives again over, over stupidity. And I don't know why the ex-presidents, would, you'd think they would step in and be like, hey, what the hell are you doing? Well, and uh, Donald Trump is. <laughs> Thank you uh, for the call, uh, Mike. I, I will just say it is my official uh, talk show host position on Israel that we need to do everything that we can to uh, assist Israel and um, including not second guessing Israel when they have to do what they have to do. And Mike, you also mentioned the uh, hundred million dollars going to uh, the people of Gaza, the aid, the humanitarian aid. Uh, I've got uh, a story on that coming up as well on Red Eye Radio. By the way, you folks can uh, follow me on Twitter. And by the way, I paid for it today like $84. So I'm actually paying for Twitter now. So make it worth my while, won't you? And follow me on Twitter. Uh, Ultra MAGA Oil actually added me on Twitter, at Dan Manda Show. I couldn't disagree with you more about the intimidation calls by Jim Jordan supporters. It is the people's. Voters, for God's sakes, Republicans show passion. And are you piped down wrong is what he's saying. And basically, I think what he's trying to say is that I said that um, the Republican supporters, the supporters are wrong to call the uh, the offices of their representatives. I never said that. I never said that at all. What I'm saying is that's what the story is. The story is that the people who are anti-Jim Jordan, that's one of the things that they're saying is the quote-unquote intimidation tactics by uh, the, the supporters of Jim Jordan and the constituents who want their representatives to support uh, Jim Jordan. And no, I don't think that's a wrong thing at all. I don't know where you, where you even uh, got that ultra-mega oil. Um, I'm a firm believer in holding your elected representatives accountable. So I don't know where he got that. I am 100 percent all in on Jim Jordan. And uh, if if the uh, Republicans, if they're if the Republicans who are anti Jim Jordan, if they uh, don't want to acquiesce to what their um, what their constituents want, well, then they'll face whatever consequences uh, they face in twenty twenty four. But I'm I, I'm a big believer in Jim Jordan. And, and, you know, right now we just look bad. I mean, there's no other way to say it. If you're a conservative and you see what's going on, it, it seems to me like the the people that are not voting for or supporting Jim Jordan, they are they are angry that Kevin McCarthy was pushed out. They're angry that Steve Scalise uh, didn't uh, get the nod because Jim supporter uh, Jim Jordan supporters um, would not support Steve Scalise. They just need to find somebody. Because from a pragmatic standpoint, uh, we just look terrible. And, and some of the most, here's the other thing, and then I promise I'm going to move on. But part of what's going on 
is that there are some really, really, really good uh, Republicans uh, who, you know, they have 100 um, percent voting record on, on conservative. Like, you know how they do they rank conservatives and they, they rank Republicans on uh, how they vote. And, and there's people that, you know, like the heritage action. I think that's what it's called, where you've got people that have a voting uh, record 100 percent conservative. And yet they're being called rhinos because, you know, they may not support Jim Jordan. And so everybody's got to deal with the fact that Jim Jordan is uh, the is the guy that's thrown his hat in the ring. And this is the guy who I believe and many people believe would be a good speaker. And and finally, and I'm, I'm going to end with this, and then I'm going to move on to something else. But it's clear and we've been going over this all week. It's clear that Donald Trump is the guy that the Republican Party uh, wants to be their nominee for the presidency. Not Chris Christie. Not, at least according to the polling right now, not Ron DeSantis. And I like Ron DeSantis. Um, They want Donald Trump. And Donald Trump has supported uh, Jim Jordan. So seems to me like the uh, decision should be clear. But the non-Jordan supporters, uh, I think, Part of what they're mad about is how we got to this position in the first place. The White House has now had to apologize for a glaring national security blunder. Do you know what they did? I cannot believe this. Now, you're talking about I'm a guy who has been documenting Biden White House blunders for like three years. I am flabbergasted. That they published a photo showing the faces of U.S. special forces as they met President Joe Biden in Israel. Republicans slamming the gross incompetence by the White House. Really? Is it just Republicans? If Democrats aren't upset by that, then they need to be or they don't understand the security blunder that this was. Because when you publish the photos, the faces of U.S. special forces, that puts them at risk. You know, they probably got some intern that is doing all of this social media stuff. And and so apparently they didn't realize that they weren't supposed to show the faces of these uh, special forces heroes. And so what they typically do is they they will, like, you know, black box it out, if you will, their faces. The White House has been forced to delete a photo of President Biden meeting U.S. special forces in Israel, which showed their faces and could have revealed their identities. It was already known that a small group of U.S. special forces are in Israel by uh, and advising on how to potentially rescue scores of hostages, including Americans held by terror group Hamas in Gaza. Unbelievable. Yeah, the um, image of Biden shaking hands was um, put up last night on the official White House Instagram page. They say for hours. And garnered thousands of likes and comments. I mean, what do you even say to that at this point? The gross incompetence of this administration. You know, earlier I was talking to, um, I think, Mike in Texas. 
And I was talking to him about um, a number of different things. And uh, there was a lot there. And I, I chose to, you know, cover what what I chose to cover in that phone call. But one of the things that he said, and I want to make sure that my position is clear on this. One of the things that he said was, you know, the incompetence on the southern border. That would indicate that this president uh, wants the southern border to actually be secure. But he actually doesn't. I mean, they'll tell us that it's secure. Everybody knows that it's not right. I mean, everybody knows that it's not secure. They keep telling us it's secure. But really what they're doing is they've just put procedures and the personnel in place to uh, have as many people processed through as possible. So we're not necessarily uh, necessarily vetting these people. We're just, you know, putting more immigration attorneys out there, you know, down there on the border. We're putting personnel down there so that we can process them as quickly as we can here in America. That's what we're doing. And so Biden has absolutely no intention of actually protecting the border. He has no intention of of securing the border. What he wants to do is just, as I've been saying, he wants to import an entirely new voting block. And that's what the president wants to do. He has absolutely no intention of doing what he should be doing on the southern border, which is actually protecting our sovereignty. So, you know, every once in a while. I may I, I may I will tell you that me, I will slip and I'll I'll talk about his incompetence on the southern border. But it, it, he's not really that would indicate that he's trying to secure the southern border, which he's not. Uh, he's really just leaving it open, uh, processing as many people as possible and uh, doing whatever he can again to import an entirely new voting block. You can follow me on the socials. Uh, including Twitter, which I now pay for. So please make it worth my while. Eighty four bucks at Dan Mandy show. Follow me if you would look, even if it's like a sympathy follow. I'm okay with that as well. Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number. Eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Dan Mandy's here. This is Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety red eye. Red Eye Radio, 86690-RED-EYE is the phone number, 86690-RED-EYE. I want to say hello to Melvin in Virginia. Melvin, thanks for calling Red Eye. How are you? Hey, <laughs> trying to stay awake, bro. Um, Me yeah, and you both. I, I appreciate the call. Uh, you take my call. Uh, I'll give a shout-out to the to the uh, longtime trucker, myself, uh, 27 years of one company, and they sold me out to UPS. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm su- I'm a survivor. Uh, keep your wheels turning. Uh, we got a, what a mess we got going on here, brother. Um, uh, Joe Biden's selling us out. Um, I mean, this uh, Ukraine thing with, with, with Russia has been going on for, what, 12, uh, 15 years, where they've been, they've been playing volleyball. Uh, all the, all those years, and now they just thanks to Biden, he's done he's done let everything uh, cut loose, coming coming further down into Ukraine. Right. Uh, they uh, 
we don't we don't need to give them any more money because we're propping them up and uh and well one one of the one food, of the big problems one of the, one of one of the big problems melvin and, and I appreciate the call one of the big problems is, is that with ukraine there is no end game and the problem is biden won't even if somebody asks him what's the end game he doesn't really have one it's like vladimir putin must be defeated okay right but how do we make sure that that happens a blank check does not tell us because we've been blank checking you know ukraine for what's it been now a couple of years we've been blank checking ukraine and and we still don't have any kind of a a real policy on it. We don't know if we're ever going to be able to get out of this. Uh, coming up in the next hour, I'm going to go into a further detail on the differences between Ukraine and Israel. And, and by the way, a, a caller, and I didn't get to his call, unfortunately, but, you know, he asked it what I think is a fair question, which is, uh, OK, so what's the end game if we stop funding Ukraine? And see, that's a great question. Because it, it, I'm, if you haven't noticed on the issue of funding for Ukraine, I'm asking questions. My questions that I am asking are, are relevant questions that when you group all of these uh, funding proposals together, like the president is doing, those questions don't get asked. And you can't debate it like with the, what the president is doing right now with this $100 billion that he wants to put through that has $14 billion, we're getting the details now, $14 billion for Israel and $60 billion for Ukraine. And so the alternative is, okay, so let's cut off the spigot. No more funding for Ukraine. Well, then what happens? Well, then the end game ultimately is Vladimir Putin will more than likely claim some of, if not all of that land back. But then Ukraine is uh, kind of the end of the line. What What's beyond Ukraine? are NATO countries. And I'm not saying that I want to give Ukraine uh, to Vladimir Putin. But see, there's a there's a it's not totally black and white. There is a middle ground. And that middle ground is utilizing that money in a smart way and telling us what the end game is. Please tell us how our money is going to be utilized and not wasted. And again, part of this came up earlier in the broadcast. I don't really want to go backwards too much. But earlier in the broadcast, you know, we were talking about how uh, there's a, a lot of funding that is going to prop up the nation of Ukraine. You know, their economy. Businesses. We're paying the salaries of, of, of their politicians. And by the way, I, I don't need to mention this the thousandth time that I will, but. Uh, there's also a big difference between uh, Ukraine and Israel. Israel is not corrupt. And Ukraine is. It still is. So there's a big difference between the two. But to just, again, continuously writing these blank checks to Ukraine without having some very specific questions answered, I think is a huge mistake. And it's not fair to just say, well, you want Vladimir Putin, the butcher, to win. Um, no, I want to be smart. And right now, we're looking pretty dumb when it comes to Biden and Ukraine.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Mandis Show. I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee at Supertalk, 99.7 WTN. You can find out more information on that. Listen in, if you would like at 997wtn.com you can also see the radio show on youtube or facebook as well as the website we've got a lot going on and um by the way eric and gary they return sunday night monday morning so everybody's talking about and they will be speaking about this tomorrow as well all the talking head shows over the weekend joe biden's speech on foreign policy a lot of flaws in this speech friends i'm just going to tell you a lot of flaws And I know that a lot of you understand what the president is trying to do. But what I'm going to say, and I'm going to reiterate this as something that I said earlier, is what defines character. Character is not what you do when people are watching, but what you do when people are not watching. Now, Joe Biden tonight in his speech put forward his desire to support Israel In front of the nation. But in the years leading up to the attack, when few were actually paying attention, he put in place the policies that actually paid for that very attack. We're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. That was literally the first 30 seconds of the speech. And when he said that, I turned to my wife and I said, Did you hear what he just said? The decisions. And and by the way, this is why my wife hates watching political stuff with me, because I I constantly pause the TV and start monologuing. It drives her nuts. Anyway, I said to her, I said, did you hear what he just said? He said that the decisions we make today will determine the future for decades to come. Well, For the last three years, he has been emboldening and arming Iran. So the decisions that he made for the last three years led us to this inflection point where Iran funded Hamas and Hezbollah so that they could attack Israel and kill over a thousand people and possibly lead us into World War Three. It's like the man has no self-awareness. And nowhere in the speech did he mention anything about the money or the opportunity that he has given to Iran to make money. And so everything he said in this speech, at least to me, was with the backdrop of, yeah, but what about how you helped fund Iran? Now, obviously, he didn't say anything about that. And nobody will ask him about that within the mainstream media. But the bottom line is, that this is an attack that was funded by Joe Biden. Now, let's talk about another one of his decisions. He demonized Iran, by the way, throughout the whole thing. And again, he helped Iran. But but let's talk about another decision of his to pull out of Afghanistan the, the way that he did. 
first announcing the date we were leaving, then pulling that back, then pulling out of Afghanistan the way that we did led to the deaths of 13 Americans in military personnel. And so when he says that the decisions we make today will determine the future for decades to come, well, the decision that he made pulling out of Afghanistan the the way that we did, did lead us to the inflection point of where we are today. And how about funding Hamas, by the way, directly? Because I've been talking about this for a long time. The $730 million to Hamas that has been, you know, has basically been called an, an arm of Hamas, this organization called the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. And I know you probably are getting tired of hearing this, but the man is very proud of the $730 million that, that uh, he sent to that organization. And they have been called by leftists as an arm of Hamas. They fund schools that teach anti-Semitism. They fund schools that uh, give and teach anti-Israel rhetoric. They shield the weapons of Hamas and, and even the terrorist fighters of Hamas. So, yeah, Joe, if you'd like to talk about, you know, the decisions that have been made that have led us to where we are today, I'm all about it. Because you have screwed up big time. And I think that Joe Biden knows it, or at least the people that run Biden's administration know this. He spent all of two minutes talking about Israel and then, true to form, he did pivot to Ukraine. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy and brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine. People that were very badly hurt since Putin launched his all out invasion. We've not forgotten the mass graves. The bodies found bearing signs of torture, rape used as a weapon by the Russians, and thousands and thousands of Ukrainian children forcibly taken into Russia, stolen from their parents. It's sick. Yeah, it absolutely is sick. And that was, uh, by the way, Biden sort of setting up his pitch for roughly $60 billion in foreign aid going to Ukraine. See, one of the things is I'm reading commentary out there, and a lot of it matches mine. But a lot of folks are actually angry at the president because they feel that they were duped because President Biden set this whole thing up as a conversation regarding Israel. But he actually spent more time talking about Ukraine and he actually spent the entire speech trying to tie Israel and Ukraine together for a total package of one hundred billion dollars, 14 billion going to Israel, 60 billion going to Ukraine. $10 $10 billion going to humanitarian efforts and $7 billion going to the Indo-Pacific. That'd be Taiwan. Because China continues to do what they do, which is threaten Taiwan. And they've been doing this for obviously years, but they really ramped it up after Joe Biden's botched pull out of Afghanistan because they as well were emboldened just like Vladimir Putin. And so that's what that's what Biden did. The entire speech was Joe Biden combining, and I told you this was going to happen last night, combining the need for funding for Israel and Ukraine. Because you know what? He knows this whole thing going into one aid package as opposed to standalone packages. He knows that there's a lot of questions that need to be asked about Ukraine. And he knows that straight up a $60 billion package is not going to pass. 
And the reason why it's not going to pass a, a standalone package wouldn't pass is because the Republicans have said that they've got a lot of questions about the continued funding of Ukraine. But hearing Biden talk about the brutality of Vladimir Putin, no one is denying that issue. No one is denying that issue. The issue is that it feels like we're really not making any progress. I mean, yes, we are funding the war with billions and billions of dollars, but there is no end in sight. And that's the problem. I don't want Vladimir Putin to win, clearly. And the second you start questioning whether or not we're doing the right thing with the war in Ukraine, with a blank check policy of unaccountable dollars and never ending funding, is this is not really much of a foreign policy. It is just writing a check. Not to mention the fact that Ukraine remains corrupt. And when we simply keep sending billions of dollars and we're not really seeing any real progress or an end game, the American people and Congress get cynical. And, you know, he's trying to tie these two events together because he's going to be tying the packages together. He said he's going to put this package together. It's going to be out tomorrow, and that's when he's going to send it to Congress. Again, not as standalones. So if you want to support Israel, you want to give them, you know, whatever aid they need, well, then you've got to support $60 billion for Ukraine. So you want to give Israel the opportunity to protect themselves against Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran and all these other nations? You want to give them $14 billion? Well, then you've also got to approve that $60 billion for Ukraine. And that's bogus. I mean, listen, Israel does have an end game. They want peace. They want to live. They don't want to be attacked. If Hamas and all these other nations left them alone, Israel would leave them alone. But Israel has a history of negotiating. Israel has a history of willingness to work towards an end game. Ukraine, on the other hand, you know, you've got Zelensky. He refuses to negotiate. Refuses to do anything but fight on and fly around the world and being a celebrity and demanding money. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for asking questions about never ending funding to Ukraine. If that's a problem for some folks, well, then okay. But perhaps at some point we'll get an answer to the questions that the American people have about Ukraine. Uh, Biden also talked about Vladimir Putin. You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. They keep going. And the cost and the threats to America and the world keep rising. And, you know, when he talked about that, when he when he stated that line, it was another one of those. I'm going to I'm going to pause the remote and, and start monologuing right there in my living room. I say, well, what did you do, Mr. President? Because you didn't make Iran pay a price. It has been well acknowledged by the Biden administration that Hamas wouldn't be in existence without funding from Iran. So when you say that if you don't make these terrorist organizations pay a price, well, what did you do with Iran? You facilitated them getting billions of dollars by ignoring sanctions. That's what you did. Donald Trump put forward those sanctions. 
he enforced those sanctions and ran up against the wall. They were broke. They were suffering financially. And the people of Iran were beginning to rise up. And what did Joe Biden do? He came in and he made them stronger. And that's where we are. So Joe Biden, his entire speech, it was almost like when you listen to what he said, it was in direct contrast to what he's done. Here's more. Putin's already threatened to remind, quote, remind Poland that their Western land was a gift from Russia. One of his top advisors, a former president of Russia, has called Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania Russia's Baltic provinces. These are all NATO allies. For 75 years, NATO has kept peace in Europe and has been the cornerstone of American security. And if Putin attacks a NATO ally, we will defend every inch of NATO which a treaty requires and calls for. We'll have something that we do not seek. Make it clear, we do not seek. We do not seek to have American troops fighting in Russia or fighting against Russia. Right, but the problem with that statement is that Putin hasn't actually invaded a NATO ally. He threatened which is what he does, and he's been doing that for, you know, years. But Ukraine is not a NATO ally. And yes, Russia does remain very threatening. But Joe Biden has always said that if Vladimir Putin went into Poland, some other NATO country, we would be all over it. But when Ukraine has been demanding to be a NATO ally, Joe Biden has said no. Now, remember that Russia went into Ukraine because they saw weakness in Joe Biden and those sanctions, those joke of sanctions that Biden constantly put forward to keep Russia in line, to keep him out of Ukraine. They simply were not strong enough. It was like tiptoeing in, simply not strong enough like Biden. They were weak and really didn't deter Vladimir Putin from doing what he eventually obviously did. And now they're saying That this war in Ukraine could last 20 years. At 60 billion a year, Joe Biden has some explaining to do, and he has no interest in answering the questions that people have. 86690RedEye is the phone number, 86690733339. Dan Med is here on Red Eye Radio. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. In order to manage speed, you need to understand the four factors involved in stopping a vehicle. Perception distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time you see a hazard until your brain recognizes it. The perception time for an alert driver is approximately three-fourths of a second. Reaction distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time your brain tells your foot to move from the accelerator until your foot hits the brake pedal. The average driver has a reaction time of three-fourths of a second. Brake lag distance also needs to be taken into account. When operating a vehicle with air brakes, it takes about half a second for the mechanical operation to take place. Finally, braking distance is the distance it takes a vehicle to stop once the brakes are applied. Braking distance is affected by the weight, length, and speed of the vehicle, as well as road condition. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Let's say hello to Tom in Pennsylvania on Red Eye Radio. Tom, thanks for calling in. Well, thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I'm actually in Ohio now. I've gone through West Virginia into Ohio. But uh, first off, you're doing a great job. Definitely to check out your regular show and hit you up on Twitter. I wanted to talk about, I constantly hear this uh, $6 billion release for Iran. I think it's fair to point out that this, this terrorist attack that happened from Hamas was in the training for years since the botch pullout of Afghanistan, and it was funded years ago. While negotiating the, the, the $6 billion wasn't used for that. While negotiating the Abraham Accords, the Trump administration cut the Palestinians out for negotiating in bad faith. They also cut their funding. On day one in office, the Biden administration reinstated funding to Hamas and that was the money that gave them the ability to start attacks again. They were silent for the four years of the Trump administration. I'm 45 years old. I think it's fair to say my generation is sick and tired of funding both sides of all of these wars around the world. In Russia, we're funding the Russians, we're funding the Ukraine, we're funding the Russians by driving down our energy sector and driving up the price of oil. That's where they're making our money, their money. And then we're funding Ukraine at the same time. We're just getting sick of funding each side of uh, each conflict. All right, Tom, thank you very much for, for calling. Here's, here's what I would say, because there's a lot that you threw out. Um, one of the things that I would say is the $6.5 billion for the Iranian hostages, uh, that is something that Biden should never have even engaged in. And I think the thing that frustrates me, and, and I've said it a thousand times tonight, so I don't want to keep repeating myself, but... What Donald Trump ultimately did was he made Iran weaker and he made uh, and and Donald Trump uh, made them weaker. And then Joe Biden made Iran stronger. And so when you start going through all of the different things that Biden has done, and I've documented uh, a lot of them. When Biden knows what Iran stands for, which is terrorism, he never should have approved that deal. And you're right. uh, The this uh, this attack was in the planning stages for a couple of years. And one of the things that has been discussed is that uh, Hamas and, and Israel, you know, they had sort of been dialoguing back and forth, but Hamas had been relatively quiet, and this attack came out of nowhere. That is a failure of Israel's part and also America's uh, part as well, because we didn't see this attack coming. Uh, people talk about the, the massive intelligence failure, that this was on behalf of not only Benjamin Netanyahu, but yes, also our president as well. And I understand what you say about Americans tired of funding all of these wars across the country. I'm right there with you. But you do have to realize there is a difference, and in my opinion, a big difference between Israel and Ukraine. There's a big difference between those two. We'll talk about that and more of your calls as well coming up next right here on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. 
866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. There's some folks that have been waiting a while, so I'm going to just blow through these phone calls. I really want to know what you folks have to say. So let's say hello to Neil, who's been holding in Chicago on Red Eye Radio. Neil, how are you? Fine, Dan. Thanks uh, for taking my call. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Well, we have a CEO of the nation that is intent on defending other nations' borders, like Ukraine, and refuses to defend our own, to the tune of billions of dollars to the U.S. taxpayer. How noble of him. There are a great many of us who are wondering if he should be tried for high treason, convicted and hung because of his sellout to our nation, and it's rumored that he's taken as much as 30 to $50 million and put it in his coffers uh, war chest. Um, You know what the problem is with this country? We have a corrupt media that has abrogated its responsibility as professional journalists, as mandated by the Constitution, to be citizens' watchdog on the activities of government, and instead have thrown their lot part and parcel with a corrupt political party. And they have turned in their reporters' journalistic badge of ethics and instead became activists. Well, and you, that's and, part of the problem, uh, Neil. I I appreciate the call. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not advocating for Joe Biden to be hung, um, but what I will say is that bad foreign policy, clearly level of, level of incompetence, absolutely. And Neil, I absolutely agree with you on journalism. Journalists have really become activists. You know what's amazing, Neil, about uh, your point because it's a great one, is that. I I never lived in a time where I've seen an entire industry just completely turn its back on what it's designed to to do as a function. Journalism is supposed to look for the truth. They stopped that when Donald Trump was elected president and they turned into not journalists looking for and trying to uncover the truth, but they actually became, depending on your the way that you look at it, they either became pawns for the uh, Democrats and for Hillary Clinton in spreading the whole uh, dirty dossier story, the whole Russian collusion story, uh, or they they were complicit in it and worked side by side with the Democrats. So they were either duped or they were partners. But either way, they didn't have the journalistic curiosity to dig deeper. And don't even get me started on the, well, okay, I'll go ahead and get started on it. The, the laptop from hell. We talked a lot about the laptop from hell last night, so I'm not going to go back on that too much, except to say this, is that at the time, the laptop from hell was a big story. I even asked the question, where is the journalistic curiosity? All I see is all of these journalists and all of these media outlets And all they're doing is they're saying, oh, this has no credibility. Really? I guarantee you if the laptop from hell belonged to Donald Trump Jr., there would have been a hell of a lot more journalistic curiosity. But because it was Hunter Biden, they just immediately, like like reflexively, said, oh, it's nothing. No credibility. Russian disinformation. Nothing to see here. And so you are absolutely right in that sense, and I appreciate the call. Mike is in Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania. Mike, how are you? 
I'm good. Thanks for taking my call, Dan. Hey, I, I was listening to the address last night. I wanted to know what he was going to do about our hostages and dead Americans over there. I, I heard nothing. If Donald Trump was president, he would have destroyed some house in Iran somewhere. We know that they're behind all this, and uh, we have, we should have sent a strong message right away, instantly. And I was just wondering what you thought about that. Well, I agree. And one of the problems you, you mentioned, uh, Mike, <laughs> you mentioned Joe Biden and strong message in the same sentence. That doesn't exist, right? So the, the problem that we have with the president, and this is the problem with the whole situation uh, with Ukraine when it started years ago, is that everything about Joe Biden is weak and cautious. And so you're right. He should have said more about the hostages. Now, he did talk about, you know, the brutality of what happened. But, you know, we all know that. We want to know how they're going to get the hostages out. Now, obviously, he can't talk about state secrets, but you're right. I do believe that he should have spoken about the hostages more. Uh, and, And one of the other things as we go on down the road of analyzing what the president said and didn't say in his speech last night, Uh, There's a lot that he didn't say about what his culpability is in all this. And I've been mentioning about how I believe that his entire speech was contradictory to his actions, because his actions, as far as his dealings with Iran and allowing them to procure the billions of dollars to fund this attack, his actions speak far, far louder than the words that he spoke last night. And, Mike, I appreciate the call. Scott is in Cincinnati on Red Eye Radio. Scott, go ahead. Hey, I got an end game for both of you, for both things. Right. We take our reservists, put them on the North Boulevard or the North uh, um, <laughs> border. Northern border? Yeah, that'll work. Okay. And the southern border, take all us retirees. I was a uh, 101st, take 100, uh, 101st and 82nd retirees, send them over to Israel, help them finish that off. You know, so, hey, Scott, let me, hey, Scott, let me, hey, hey, Scott, let me ask you a question. So, uh, if I may, when did you serve? Like, how far ago was it? Uh, I got out in uh, 92. So, are are you one of the, uh, one of these guys that might want to go in and and, and enter in as like an independent contractor? I don't know what you call them, but, you know, you you fight for these, uh, you know, some of these uh, groups that are sort of rented out and so forth and, you know, support the good guys? Oh, yeah. Only thing I'd want is a, is a re-up bonus to take care of my family while I'm gone. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know, you've got some good ideas, Scott, and I, I very much appreciate uh, your service and that you uh, held on. And listen, I would love to see. Uh, so basically, I think, Scott, what he was trying to say is he wants to put um, – he wants to beef up our southern border and then send the uh, send the reservists down to uh, help out with the Israelis. And, and I think that's a great idea if they want to go. Tim is in Hartford, Connecticut on Red Eye Radio. Tim, go ahead. Thanks for taking my call, Dan. Yes. Tried to, trying to figure out how we got in this hot mess. But uh, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Biden doesn't know how to negotiate. And Trump did. Uh, Biden basically, well, Trump, you look at it, he never entered into a bad deal. Paris Climate Accords, bad deal. We're out of here. Iran nuke deal, bad deal. We're out of here. He even threatened to pull out of NATO, which was right. crazy. But, to but you know what? But, 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 you, but you know what, Tim? He got NATO to pay more. Exactly. Well, I mean, Trump is crazy enough 
And that's what makes him effective is he makes crazy statements and these other countries say, damn, he might do it. And and that's how he negotiates. But Biden, the best I can come up with for how they negotiate was the uh, Iran hostage exchange. And one of the reporters brought it up to John Kirby and implied that, hey, $6 billion access, five for five, bad deal. And I almost fell off my chair when Kirby said, that's the deal they gave us. And I'm thinking, are you nuts? We're the United States of America. Right. It's a bad right. deal. You walk away. And that's what Trump does. And, and if you read his book, The Art of the Deal, that's number one on the list. Number one on the list. You're, you're, you're right. Walk, yep. Yep. Tim, you're, you're right. The deal up, up to the day he signs. And one last thing, uh, being a little facetious here, um, maybe we should take some of these pro these Palestinian protesters on campus and send them over to Gaza and make sure that our aid gets distributed to the civilians. Let's see how many of them will volunteer to do that. You know what? We tell them to go ahead, pack a lunch, pack an extra for the folks out there in Gaza, there and go. go check it out for yourselves. Thank you very much, Tim. I appreciate the call. Uh, this is Mark in Pennsylvania on Red Eye Radio. Mark, go ahead. Hi. How you doing? I'm good, man. Go it's ahead. It's starting to rain down here. Uh-oh. It's starting to rain down here. All right. Uh, yeah, you know, you think of like $100 million is a lot. And now all of a sudden we're into $200 billion. Uh, you talk about the country as far as Ukraine, how devastated the the buildings are right now and everything, right. and half the people left. And like, so so what if they regain the country? Okay, which could be 20, 10, 20, who knows? Well, how are they going to rebuild all that? They're not going to have the resources. They're not going to have. Uh, I mean, workers, they're not going to have, I mean, this is just absolutely like a country that's just been bound with nothing on it. Christopher Columbus coming to America. Ukraine Uh, is going to need, Ukraine's going to need help in rebuilding the country. And you know what's going to happen. It's going to be America's responsibility to uh, help them rebuild the country. And I I know exactly where you're, you're going because uh, you're right. But see, here, here's the thing, Mark, and, and I think, you know, it does bear repeating, is that if if the war ended and we set up some sort of a mechanism to help Ukraine rebuild, that would be a tough pill to swallow, but I would understand it. But we've got our own cities that need serious rebuilding as well. But at least the war would be over, and, and at least the end game would have been, you know, would have been evident and it's over with now my big problem with ukraine and i've said it a thousand times tonight and i've said it a thousand times since this whole thing started is show me the show me the plan show me the end game show me how there is an, an end game to this and how are you gonna end it how are you gonna win it because a blank check policy is not the way to win a war you got 30 seconds go ahead mark okay another thing right around the corner if donald trump gets back in we're going to see all kinds of things happen the right way. Uh, it's just, and you know, America. I think the 
people in America are going to feel really good once he does get back in, and I hope he does. And I think everything will start to turn around really fast. And well, you, you, know, you know, you know, you know what you know what's going to be interesting, Mark, is you know uh, Trump yeah. has been out there and he's been saying that he could end the Ukraine-Russia uh, war in 24 hours. Now, I'm a little cynical because I'm, I understand that Donald Trump, and I like Donald Trump, but he's full of a lot of bluster. But it would be interesting yeah. to see, okay, so would he be able to uh, end this in 24 hours? But what I would say is that with Donald Trump, he wouldn't take no for an answer when Vladimir Zelensky would say, uh, no, I'm not going to negotiate or meet with Vladimir Putin. Donald Trump would say, yes, you will. And yes, you are. Otherwise, you're not getting any more money. And that's the whole point. And Mark, I appreciate the call. Uh, this is Ed in Vancouver, uh, Washington on Red Eye Radio. Ed, go ahead. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I, I was thinking uh, why Biden didn't I was waiting for Biden to mention the press, why the press didn't, uh, why he didn't call out the press when they uh, rushed to judgment about the hospital bombing. And it came to me as part of his protection racket. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. Oh, and by the way, uh, coming up, thank you for the call, Ed. That's a great comment. And yeah, the the media well documented that uh, they were in the bag for Joe Biden. I believe that they still are in the bag for Joe Biden. Coming up, an update on Rashida Tlaib. Remember, I played you the audio yesterday where Rashida Tlaib was uh, out there. She had a a microphone and a really bad sound system. And she was still, it was her contention that Israel bombed that hospital. Completely lying to the American people. There's an update to that story. Wait till you hear it. It's coming up next on Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number. So yesterday I played you this audio of Rashida Tlaib, and she'd also tweeted out that Israel was responsible for that hospital attack. And she said this yesterday in front of a crowd of adoring supporters. Continue to watch people think it's okay to bomb a hospital with children. You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos and, and the people telling the kids don't cry. And, like, let them cry. <laughs> okay, so that is uh, Rashida Tlaib. And uh, she was talking about Israel bombing the hospital. And at the time, at the time that she said that, it was clear that Israel was not the ones that bombed that hospital. Well, now the reporters are asking her the question, catching up to her and saying, okay, do you retract your statements? Do you retract the tweet where you accused Israel of bombing this hospital? Because now we know that they didn't. You know what she's doing? She actually ran from the media, from the Capitol building into a waiting car. She ran. You can't run forever, Rashida. This is Red Eye Radio. 
on West. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.